This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Lisa Wysocki. I'm in Ashland City, Tennessee. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 18th, episode 2394. This episode is brought to you by State Line Tech. Good morning, Horse World. Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses in the Morning. Well, I debated playing that opener this morning. (laughs) I don't know how relevant it is right now. Uh, I know. Well, we're glad we made it to Wednesday. That's true. So we're glad we're this here. This is true. Another day. Another day. Well, Lisa is having a little bit of uh, technical difficulties. Lisa's filling in for Jamie today. Jamie took a couple days off and went to the cabin in the mountains, which she's going to have some interesting stories from for you on Friday, I'm sure. Tomorrow we have the uh, fox hunting episode, which they pre-recorded. I so. have seen the photo. Yes. <laughs> so there's going to be some interesting stuff. But Lisa's <laughs> having a little bit of internet trouble. We're going to see how long she lasts. Uh, I think what's happening yes. is every kid is home from school playing video games and your internet is gone. Probably. Probably. So we're going to do yeah. the best we can today. We have a lot coming up on today's show. As I mentioned before, uh, we're trying to keep to you know our Horses in the Morning show off of the uh, virus topic um, as much as we can, although we'll talk a little bit about it today with a veterinarian we have coming up. Uh, but we are still providing coverage. I'm doing my morning, everyday posts on Horses in the Morning, kind of like blog posts. And then in the evening, we're, we're trying to do Facebook Lives as much as we can. I'm trying to get creative with my Facebook Lives now uh, and doing some different things to kind of take people's minds off things. So hopefully we can get creative with that. And of course, our regular shows are are still going, uh, Plaidcast and all the rest of them, Healthy Critters and everybody else, uh, Equine Clicker, which is a, a show that while you're home, you could start on, go back to episode one and do Equine Clicker 101 and work your way through it. It's kind of a lesson on how to clicker train and do fun things with your horses. So that's something you could do while you're home. Um, and so that's yeah. where you'll find that coverage. Also, if you go to horsesinthemorning.com and click on the Corona banner, it has all the posts and all the videos we've done, and we've done some excellent ones. So you can find them all there. But today's show, Eric Cooper of The Adventurous is joining us. He's stuck in Argentina. He's going to talk about the wild first gaucho oh derby. So that'll be fun. Uh, Claire Thunes is interacting or is talking to us about interacting with vets and farriers and how that's all going to work now during coronavirus time. Plus, Sissy from Stateline Tech on a cool online horse show they're going to be running while you're all at home. So uh, she'll be here as well. Well, Lisa, I don't, Yay. I didn't warn you of this, but um, of course we have Lisa Wysocki <laughs> on here and we didn't have much time to talk before the show. Uh, Lisa is an author and is a regular fill in co host here on the morning show. Uh, We're starting today or this week with something we're grateful for each day and before the Daily Winnies, just to try and think about things we are grateful for. We've been on, Jennifer and I have been self-quarantined for about four days now, which means not going out for anything. It means 
Oh, my goodness. No stores, no nothing. And that's partly because of my health issues. Um, right. But we're learning from this. And I'm gonna, my blog post tomorrow morning is going to be on the things that you're, you're going to find that you take for granted and the things that we didn't stock up on that we should have. So I'm going to give everybody a helpful <laughs> warning before the country goes into total lockdown. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that'll be on tomorrow mornings. But what I'm thankful for is that I learned to cook creatively for my mom. Uh, and my mom was wow. a good cook, and she actually taught us boys to cook, and I do the cooking in the family. Jennifer cooks some things, but I do most of it. So you learn to cook creatively, and one of the things we're learning is you start thinking about how many ingredients am I using, and if you're going to be locked, if we're going to be in lockdown for three or four weeks, uh, you know, what are you going to use up first? What are do you normally use to cook with that's perishable, and that you won't have to cook with? So yeah. what we're what we're practicing with is using less ingredients. So normally I would make spaghetti uh-huh. sauce with like 25 different things. You know, can you make spaghetti sauce tasty with four different things? Um, so you start thinking about those ingredients and how you can use them more effectively. Uh, so I th- I credit my mom for that. And, you know, she's probably looking down now wow. uh, and going, y'all doing it wrong. So that's probably how that would be, <laughs> be what my mom would say, actually. <laughs> Do you have something you're grateful for? Oh, my goodness. I do. Well, speaking of moms, I am grateful for my mother, who is turning 97 next week, and she still lives in her house. So she's like the Energizer Bunny. She's a former World War II Marine and um, on the school board and the park commission and the mental health commission and and just really made a huge difference in the community and uh, ran uh, a huge nonprofit called the Servicemen Center, which was at the Minneapolis airport. It's still there. She was there for, I don't know, 26 years. And, um, you know, at 97, she's still taking care of herself and going strong. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, so uh, I, I was thinking about her because I was thinking, geez, she lives up there all by herself. And is is she kind of quarantined? Is she tucked in now? She is, although she's, um, and she would just probably disown me if she knew we were talking about her. But, but uh, you know, she's she's got a doctor's appointment today. She's got somebody who's taking her to that. And she wants to go to the grocery store and she's got to get her hair done. And, you know, um, so she's kind of fighting the whole quarantine thing. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, so she's tough. But, you know, I'm going to stay home. <laughs> Yes, uh, you, 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 I hope so. She, I mean, she's at that age where everybody worries about, right, uh, through this whole thing. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so we'll see, you know, and, and um, she, she's going to have to tough it out with the rest of us, I guess. And again, uh, if you're just joining us, Lisa's uh, on a very poor internet connection right now at the farm there in Tennessee. And so I, sorry. I, well, that's okay. You're, you're fading in and out a little bit, but we hear most of it. If it gets too bad, I'll just let you go. But uh, uh, there we go. Yeah. So we'll, we'll hang in there for it with it for a while. I, I mean, we're going to have these kind of bumps in the road here over the next couple of weeks, and especially as internet usage is way up. So we're, uh, we, yeah. we, we expect that. All right, let's do our daily winnies and then get to our first guest. Well, my daily winnies, you know what? Even during this time... People have birthdays. 
And I hope they have a happy birthday regardless, uh, even if you have to make your own cupcakes. So happy birthday to Tara Tibbetts of the fox hunting episode, which will be out tomorrow. She's the host of that, and it's her birthday. Happy birthday to Tara down there in Texas. Happy birthday to auditors Kelly Gross and Michelle Atkins. Happy birthday to all of you. And in nine months, there'll be a lot of new birthdays coming up. I'm predicting lots of new birthdays coming up in nine months from today. Up, oh, did we lose you, Lisa? Are you there? There we are. I am here. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Try your. Yeah, so that was yeah. my. No, that was my bad. So okay. <laughs> my dog came. My dog came up and poked her nose at me, and she actually poked the um, off button on my headset. Oh, there so. you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your so. daily winnie? <laughs> My daily Winnie is to a man named Doug Oliver at Colby's Army. We are uh, in the middle of all kinds of building projects, and we had uh, a need for some tires uh, for some outdoor landscaping. And he showed up the other day with 150 tires. And I, I tell you, I was so grateful. I wanted to just get down and kiss his feet. And you know, <laughs> we were so happy to get all of these tires. And he was so happy to give them to us. So Did you say 150 tires? 150 tires. And I've already used almost all of them. We're building a compost pile. And so we're stacking tires to enclose the compost pile. And then we'll put a tarp over it. And um, we've used almost all the 150 tires just for that. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of tires. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Who knew I could be so happy about tires? <laughs> yeah, old dead tires. At the uh, recycle center down here in Ocala, that you can recycle anything, and it's everything's in one place. And they must have had 150 tires sitting out there the other day. Uh, wow. Yeah, there's, uh, wow. There's a lot of dead tires around, apparently. There are. And, you know, we, I try to keep things out of the landfill. And I was so grateful that, you know, we could put a use to these. And we're also making an herb garden and we're planting some of the herbs and tires, too. So we'll have, you know, we'll have a need for another, you know, couple hundred tires here before too long. You're going to be self-sufficient. I'm moving to your house when it all goes bad. See, there you go. <laughs> we'll have all the herbs that you need for your spaghetti sauce. There you go. Great. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> All right, let's go. You know, we talked earlier in the week about who won, uh, that Marie Griffiths of uh, United yeah. States won the Gaucho Derby. And one of our regular guests for many, many years is Eric Cooper, who uh, helps run the Gaucho Derby and also the Mongol Derby. Well, the Gaucho Derby was run in Patagonia. For those that missed it, it was the build, mm -hmm. it's their inaugural running and also billed as the world's toughest horse race. And it kind of did look like that. There's no question. It but, did. <laughs> I watched it. It was great. Eric is stuck down in, I think, Argentina. We're, I'm going to get him on right now. He also does not have a great connection. So between the two of you, it should be interesting. Um, That'll be fun. Well, what an adventure. <laughs> yes. So yeah. we'll see how he's doing. I think he might be in a coffee shop or something. I don't know. Eric, are you there? I don't know. Hello. Hello oh, there. there. How are you? Hey, guys. <laughs> so, Hi. Excellent. I'm excellent. How are you guys doing? So first, tell us where you're at right now. I am in El Calafate, basically Patagonia, southern Argentina, and, and I'm out of breath. <laughs> yeah, you were just running someplace to get an I'm internet like connection. I'm doing a hustle to like, yeah, get my stuff <laughs> packed up anyway. Well, um, are you stuck there? Are you going to be able to, I don't even know where your home is or if you even have one. Are you going to be just yeah, heading back well, to Patagonia or what? <laughs> 
we shall see. I might become a full-on gaucho, so it's uh, to be determined at this point. But um, <laughs> kind of similar to the states, everything's kind of locked down. But uh, I was just out for the gaucho derby for two weeks, so emerged from the wilderness to this the apocalypse. So, was that a surprise, really or did you guys kind of get an inkling while you were out on the mountaintops in a snowstorm? Oh no, it was a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> who expects to come back Definite from surprise? Who expects to come back from two weeks in the wilderness and find the whole entire world is upside down? Yeah, I'm like I should have just stayed out there. <laughs> what a shock! The snowstorm <laughs> didn't look yeah. that bad, did it? No. Exactly. Yeah, hey, that blizzard and people dying of hypothermia wasn't so so bad after all. At least you were away from everybody else. <laughs> well, tell us about this adventure. We covered it a little bit as best we could, but we kind of had other things to deal with here on the show. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, what? Well, I, I I read about snowstorms and blizzards and rescuing people off of mountains. This was truly an adventure. Yeah, you know, it's funny because um, they said it was going to be harder than the Mongol Derby, and I kind of laughed in their face and was like, yeah, whatever. Because, um, <laughs> you know, I work on that race as well and race in it as well. Um, but, yeah, now I see what they were talking about. <laughs> what was your well, job? I like, probably it. would I probably would have packed more stuff. Um, yeah, uh, so I was one of the senior event managers. You know, I run our social media as well, um, but I was part of kind of the SOS team out on the field. Tell us what happened. I mean, just give us a, a thumbnail of all the things that went on in this bizarre race. Yeah, I'd say the biggest things were the beginning, um, and that's when, you know, navigation was a huge issue because the whole thing is, is like, you don't really, no one's ever been to Patagonia, you know what I mean? So you don't know what the dangers are, what the terrain's like, uh, you haven't met the horses. So the first days, like you're really kind of getting used to everything and like surveying the land and kind of figuring, figuring your, your stuff out. Um, and. Oh no. Oh, did he go all the way? Eric, Eric, come, come back. back. Eric. He's just, he's just getting Eric. to the good part. Oh, I know. I know. And I watched this. Uh, uh, it's so different from the Mongol Derby. Yeah, Lisa, we're, we're only catching about uh, part of a sentence now. Um, oh, gee. Yeah. Tell you what. I think I'm going to move here. Hang okay. on. Hang on just a sec. I'm, I'm going to move. Uh, let me see if I can get. Uh, uh, sorry, everybody, but we're doing the best we can today. <laughs> I mean, we're talking to him. He's in Patagonia at the bottom of the world. Uh, so let's see if we can get him back. And uh, if, if Lisa's connection is still bad, I'll just drop her and we'll finish. We have a couple more guests. So we'll just finish the show that way. Yeah. Is that any better? I don't know. We'll find out. It comes and goes. Okay. So Okay. I, I just moved to the other side of the room. All right. So I'm not. Doesn't I'm still trying to call Eric back. To, to get Eric back, yeah. Yeah, I, I was um, looking at all the pictures are fantastic. If you go to the Gaucho Derby Twitter page, oh my God. Yes. I mean, the pictures are just unbelievable. Yeah, they really are. And uh, I don't know, I learned about it um, somewhere on the internet, like halfway through, and I thought, oh, holy cow. And I started watching it. It was very different from the Mongol Derby. And um, I, I hope we can get Eric back because it sounded like they had a lot more... Um, uh, interesting things happen <laughs> than yeah. usual. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember a snowstorm in the Mongol Derby on top of no. a mountain where they actually had to send teams up in to rescue the riders and horses. Oh, uh, my goodness. 
And, and you know, we had a lot of um, USA people who did very well. Yeah, we were. We uh, had, are you back? Oh, there he is. We cut out. Yes, I know. You were at the good part yeah. too. You were just at the part where <laughs> all things were happening, and you were gone. So yeah. And <laughs> yeah, there we. Oh, you're still coming and going. Are you there? Oh. Oh no. Go. Yeah, we're we're not hearing okay, you. There we go. I'm getting wide. There we are. Okay. There we go. <laughs> All right. Let's try again. Hang on one sec. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what part I cut off at. So you you were just saying everybody had just started wild horses riding, and I that was where we lost you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The the horses were all pretty tame. I was saying, and then um, you know the the train just got really really wild, and people were struggling to navigate it because um, we don't give a highlighted course. Um, so it's just like kind of point A, point B, and little flagship points that you have to get to. Um, so there's not there's not like a ways kind of telling you the way to go, similar to the Mongol <laughs> Derby. Um, so it screws you up pretty good. Um, right. No, make most, a left at the, uh, the big tree. Uh, none of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you know um, try to find the Puma. Um, but yeah, so basically um, the first day was fine. And then, um, you know, day two, uh, the weather started to change. Um, Roberta McLeod, who is leading the race, um, she press SOS uh, in the middle of a storm. Uh, so I got dispatched to go find her, found her kind of curled up against a, a big boulder and her horse is kind of close by. And she, it turns out was having kidney failure. Oh, um, oh no. so yeah. So that wasn't good. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, that wasn't good. So, um, and her horses just wouldn't kind of respond to her anymore. Um, so I threw up on, I had a big, um, kind of Pertron cross draft horse that I picked for the first leg. I called him white mountain. Cause I was like, I got to rescue anybody. I just need an elephant to like plow through all this shit and just get there. Um, so I threw up oh. on him and then went and grabbed her horses and I just led them all to the forest. It was like maybe like a mile away and it was all surrounded <laughs> by bogs. Um, <laughs> let me just oh. tell you, my feet were wet like the whole time. Ugh. Um, so we got there and then I'm sure you heard the stories. Then we camped out that night, got her a bunch of fluids and throughout the night it started to snow. Um, and uh, at one point in the night I woke up, looked outside my tent and I saw that Roberta's tent, she had a really small one, um, kind of more like a bivy tent style and it had become like a snow coffin. Like it was just covered in snow. So she had to come into my tent. And then we got through the night, dry clothes of my camp stove. And then the next morning, it was like really, really snowy, really nasty. Um, so I hit up HQ and told them to dispatch my coordinates to all riders that were close um, and have them meet me. And I was going to set up kind of a little refuge camp. Um, and that's what we did. People slowly like found my camp. And then we, well, I ended up starting a big bonfire with some toilet paper Vaseline <laughs> in my little camp stove. Look at you. No, he's <laughs> burning toilet paper. <laughs> That's right. We covered Bear it. Bear Grylls here, so number like two. <laughs> yeah, Bear Grylls ain't got nothing on me. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the only thing we were missing was Malbec. But, um, yeah, no, so then we just we had a lot of people coming down with hypothermia, probably seven or eight riders. Um, and at that stage, we had like 25, 30 horses there. Um, at that camp. So it was a bit chaotic, but 
Um, we split up into teams and got the bonfire going, hung a clothesline, started drying everybody's kit, making hot food and all that until the weather um, hopefully dissipated, which it, it didn't really. Um, and then HQ dispatched a gaucho medic team to us um, who eventually got there probably about 11 p.m. that night. Um, at that point, the situation is mainly stabilized. But um, the next morning, we evac'd all the at-risk people out via helicopter and then the rest of us climbed up on horses and herded the rest of them home. So we got out of there eventually. Um, Jeez. So that was day one. Just a little taste of the Gaucho Derby there. Oh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it seems like self-quarantining is not all that bad anymore. No, right. <laughs> right? I'm like, give me a bubble bath and a Malbec and I'm fine. I don't need to talk to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Did it get better after that? Uh, yeah. I mean, the weather was, was pretty great after that. So um, we switched to Arabian's. Um, from uh, this this farm, I forgot the farm name, but Andy Povoski is the the owner and trainer there. Him and his wife, wife Luli, and they were just athletes. So um, I think everybody was really happy to just not have a pack horse that leg and get on something really fast um, and just get across, <laughs> cover some ground. Um, and then yeah. we, we we did that a lot. We switched on and off between like the Criollos, the Percheron Crosses, and um, Arabian. So it was. Definitely a mix of horses uh, involved, um, but the weather the weather held for the most part. Um, we did finish the race through some pretty, I mean, I say iconic mountains like uh, right in front of Fitzroy. So that's at the famous like Patagonia Mountains, um, and that day was pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! High wind. It felt like you were going to blow off the cliff. Um, I had a little horse who was scared of hills, which I thought, oh, this is great. <laughs> So <laughs> he pretty much wanted me to piggyback carry him the whole way, but he was cute. Um, were the horses so, better than it. in Mon- Mongolia? Were they much better? Or I'll, I'll say this: they're 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 not wild. Um, oh, good. <laughs> so that's one thing. When you're on the side of a mountain, um, you don't want them to be wild. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. You don't. But I will say, like like you know, I lead my reindeer trips in northern Mongolia, and those horses are semi wild. But I will say, I don't know, I prefer the Mongolian horses just because they just have a lot more heart. Um, and when the going gets tough, like they're going to get you out of there because they're just feral. They have that kind of tenacity. So for me, I prefer them. Um, I had fun with these horses, but I think when it comes to survival mode, um, I like something that's a little bit wild. So just personal preference. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting perspective for sure. Yeah, because you know that thing's going to take care of itself. And yeah. Turn, if you can hang on, it'll take yeah, care of you. Yeah, if you can stay on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's it's not looking for guidance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so overall, really cool race. You know, and this is our pioneer run. Um, and I know you interviewed Tom uh, to begin with. So it was a lot of things changing. Like we picked the riders we picked to kind of help develop this new race down here in Argentina. Um, and I think we picked the right ones uh, you know, shit's, you know, I curse a lot. Sorry. You're going to keep all that, but, um, <laughs> but you know, things aren't always going to go to plan. Um, and we knew that with the pioneer run. So it was just a matter of like regrouping powwowing with the riders and crew. And as far as, um, you know, the event managers, it was all event managers that, that have worked on the Mongol Derby for years. So these are no strangers to chaos and mayhem and danger. Um, and all horsemen and women. So it was, you know, the goal was to develop this race into what it's going to be in the future. So and Marie our, Griffiths uh, ends goal. up winning, and that makes her a double crowner uh, when the yeah. Mongol Derby end this, right? 
Yeah, well, she didn't win the Mongol Derby. No, oh, she, she just didn't? finished in the Mongol Derby. Oh, I yeah, thought she, she didn't won. win it. Okay. But um, yeah, yeah, fake news. But okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, but she's still great. She's amazing. Yeah, she's such a sweetheart from Montana. I mean, she was right at home in the mountains. You could really tell the ones who the snow. <laughs> were from this kind of country and the ones who weren't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> knew how to handle it and just power through. So. Um, I, yeah, great. And, and, you know, the thing is, is we put a venture before race, you know, all the time. Um, and I mean, what an adventure. It was insane. I definitely didn't think it was going to be this crazy and I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> How many finished of the starters? Um, no, everybody did. Everybody like, did. Okay. We, we didn't, we didn't pull it the same as the Mongol Derby. So, um, cause it was a pioneer run. So right. we needed to move people around, rescue people and things like that. So, um, but no, everybody, oh, well, I will say everybody finished, but Roberta, because she was hospitalized for almost the entirety of the race when she got off the mountain. So got it. Well, yeah, I, and a lot of yeah. USA people so when do you well. want to sign up? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you might have a lot of takers for Patagonia pretty soon. Let me tell you. Uh, yeah. It's uh, so one of the other questions I have for you is what for you now? I mean, you're kind of down there. You've come, you've come out of two weeks. I know some of the riders were having trouble getting homes. So I noticed some of the USA riders are finally getting flights. Um, so what about you? Where do you go? Yeah, you know what? I'm not really sure. Um, my original plan was to stay here. Uh, <laughs> my original plan was to stay for like a month and just see the gaucho cu culture. And, you know, I run trips as well. So I'm trying to launch something here in January. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I might try to get back to the States. We'll see. Um, but it's pretty difficult right now. Um, Argentina, I don't think is allowing any flights to the U S um, and vice versa. So I would have to go via like Chile to somewhere else to somewhere else. So I'm trying to sit down and kind of figure that out today. Um, <laughs> and see if I'm going to be turned into a gaucho or if I'm going to be back on American soil. So um, we'll see. The original plan I had, though, was to be in Mongolia, like end of April. So I don't know how that's going to be affected with all of this. But um, so if you're wow. a gaucho, though, they have lots of sheep. You'll be you won't go hungry. <laughs> no, I won't go hungry. And what's well, um, true? My mom actually sent me with like a case of garlic pepper salt. Oh, you're <laughs> to good to go then. Here. Yeah, yeah. So we're good. She's like, I'm tired of you eating that bland food wherever you go. Here you go. Season salt. <laughs> Your mom must just roll her eyeballs with you. She. Oh. Yeah, we don't really tell her where we're going or anything. So <laughs> that's funny. Well, no Eric, sense in doing it. You know, we love you guys, and uh, we're thinking about you all, and we're thinking about anybody that's in business right now. I know that some of your races, you don't just do horse stuff, you do other stuff, and all of them are going to be affected. Yeah. And we're thinking about everybody that's in business for themselves and small businesses, just like we are, you know? Um, uh, yeah. And uh, you take care of yourself. Please keep in touch with me and let me know where you're at and what you're up to, all right? We'll do. Yeah, we'll do. We'll figure something exciting out. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. I'm, you know, it could be if we could do a regular segment once a month. Where's Eric? I like that. Let's start yeah, doing no, that. Actually. Yeah. Like, where's, where's Waldo? Eric? What's he drinking? Where's Eric? What's he eating? And what the hell happened? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, I like yeah. this. All right. Yeah, no, I'm down. All right. Let's do it. All I right, think guys. That's a well, great... You have a great one. And right. yeah, I'm down. So once with this thing calms down and we get to travel some more, then we can get things going. All right. <laughs> Let me know how sheep in Patagonia taste. All right. Uh, I will. Right. At least it's oh. barbecued here. So. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. <laughs> bye, bye, Eric. I can make a fire. Um, bye, Eric. I, all right. Bye, guys. Have a good one. Every vegetarian oh. in the audience is now cringing. I uh, know. I know. <laughs> he, oh, my goodness. Hey, what, if you got a choice to be someplace that has 10,000 sheep or none, 
Where would you rather be in, in a situation? Oh, well, I'd go with the sheep, but, you know, I, I think I'd want to know what plan. And he has seasoning, too. I, you know, he's good I to know. Go. He's good I to know. Go. I'm like, and oh, I did goodness. write down for the recorded show all the places he swore, so I got to have those taken yeah. out. <laughs> Eric, I know having Eric on is a risk, so the live listeners get a bonus uh, when, they, when we have Eric. They do. Hey, by the way, yes, on a serious me. note, before we go to the doctor, uh, Dr. Claire Toons, um, they had a 5.7 magnitude earthquake in Utah, the largest in the state since 1992 this morning. Really? So, yeah, 5.7. That's fairly large. Um, what, I saw, uh, what part of the state? Um, <clears throat> it, uh, northern part of Utah, so Salt Lake City. Really? Uh, was affected because I saw my Salt Lake City podcast friends post that it was terrifying. Um, I bet. And uh, one of our listeners, Haley, just put, uh, posted, I'm painting my door with lamb's blood tonight. Uh, I think they have it in stock. Um, you know, geez, it's starting to look like that's not, <laughs> that's, uh, not too far <laughs> off here, uh, Haley. Uh, but yeah. Wow. So that's the latest. Wow, you just don't think of Utah as being, you know, uh, an earthquake place. But well, you guys have, have been mountains. getting a ton of little ones down where you live. I mean. We have in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. mostly. Well, not all, but some in West Tennessee and uh, a few in East Tennessee. And we had one here in Middle Tennessee. But, um, yeah, you don't think of Tennessee as it either. Yeah, so. 5.7. You'll feel, feel that one. That's a big one. Yeah. That's a big That's where yeah. over five, you'll start to really feel it. I mean, you feel the little ones, but not like a five. Yeah. So wow. we're thinking about all of our listeners. We have a lot out that way. And Haley might be listening live right now. So, uh, or she's hiding under the desk. I don't know what. Yeah, there you go. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I can't keep oh, up here. Goodness. All right. Let's call Claire. You're, you're, don't move. Your signal seems to be holding right now. Oh, yay. This is so exciting. All right. Dr. Toons, we're, we're calling you now. We're going to talk about... What's going to happen as far as veterinarians and getting help and all of this if the country starts to shut down more, which we fully expect it will Yeah. over the next week? Uh, everything's been changing so much every day. I know. I know. It's just every hour, it seems. Yeah. I'll get online and something new has, has transpired. Jennifer's making me take yeah. a break from it every once in a while. So. Well, you have to. You just have to, you know. <laughs> You know, go go make some spaghetti sauce or something. Yes. Dr. Toons, are you there? <laughs> I certainly am. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. I'm here with Lisa's co-hosting today. Jamie is off. She'll be back on Friday. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're looking at... Cha- we were just talking about how everything in the world's changing by the hour, not even the day anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. So true. I mean, yep. we just had a 5.7 earthquake in Utah. Um, oh, and so, you know, we're just reporting on that. We're hearing from a lot of our listeners out there. So what we wanted to focus on today, and, and Lisa, I'll let you jump in here, but what we wanted to focus yeah. on first was I've been seeing a lot of emails from veterinarian, veterinarian offices, how they're changing their protocols. They're not letting people come in. They're picking the dogs up at the curb. If you've got horse problems, you know what they're going to do about coming out. Let's talk about right now what you know, and then I want to take it one step further and as if if this country goes into further shutdown mode which i fully expect it will um will vets be able to go out have you heard anything about that and where are we at yeah that's a really really good question and i have to say that where i am we're quite lucky right now our number of cases is somewhat low so um perhaps not as impacted you know those uh Professions are not quite as impacted yet as they are in some of the east and west coast areas uh, where numbers are higher. Um, I personally haven't heard um, 
again, you know, I'm a nutritionist and, you know, I haven't heard um, anything specific, but I think obviously, uh, you know, it's an important consideration that, um, you know, our professionals that come out and work with our horses, you know, may be less available. And one thing I was thinking about last night, um, not perhaps so much with, you know, perhaps with veterinarians, but I mean, you know, we're all human. We all have families at home. We all have people that may need to be more or less protected from, um, from this. And um, I think it's pertinent to ask the question of your horse professional, you know, are they going to make themselves available? For example, is your, if your horseshoer, you know, is somebody who lives at home with their, you know, 80 year old mother, they may decide that they don't want to increase their risk of exposure to their family members who may be higher risk, or maybe they have a child at home who has, you know, a medical condition or, you know, what have you, or spouse that has a medical condition that would be, you know, in a pretty bad situation if they can, you know, if they contracted this, um, are they going to make themselves available? And I think that would be something that's worth finding out now because you, you don't want to get to your horse's five week shoeing appointment and suddenly find that actually, you know, your professional is cutting back. Yeah, um, so that would be a real case by case scenario. And that's a really good thing yeah, to I mean, what you I, know double check. Absolutely. What I'm seeing, you know, right now is yes, we've got, you know, areas of the country where it's being mandated from, you know, government, you know, what businesses can and can't run, but in other areas, um, right now it's being somewhat left, you know, to individuals' comfort levels. And, you know, yeah. we all have to, we all have different comfort levels and there's no right or you know, there's no you know, I think professionals have every right to protect their their families and their employees and say, we're not comfortable doing this right now. And and you don't. I think that's why some of them are with the small animals are saying, well, our people are coming out to you. They're bringing our dog. The dog will come in. We'll bring it back when it's done. You know, you stay in your car. Um, Right. And and small animal obviously is, you know, you're, you're in more confined quarters when you're working with a small animal vet than you are with an equine vet. You know, you tend to be outside. Um, you know, it's not as difficult to stay six feet away from your veterinarian as they're working on your horse. I mean, most of our lead ropes are six feet plus long. Um, you know, so if you're standing at, you know, if you're standing at the head of your horse and you're in your shoe or, you know, or your shoe or your veterinarian's, you know, checking a hind limb lameness or something, they're going to be six feet away from you or more. So it's perhaps not so difficult to practice social distancing, um, in a, you know, in our setting versus a small animal setting where you're, you're being asked to hold your own cat while the vet is, right, you know, right, right. prodding it and leaning over the top of you and you're breathing on each other and whatever. So I think in that sense, we're a little um, luckier in our, you know, in our setup and the fact that we, you know, we tend to be outside in well-ventilated spaces and, and tend to work further away from each other. And, um, you know, you can be sensible and, and make sure you're staying further apart. Don't shake your vet's hand when they arrive, you know, all those sorts of, you know, niceties that we normally do um, go out of the window at this point. You know, I was, yeah. uh, I, I heard from listeners this morning that are up in Canada in the Ontario province. I don't know a lot about Canada, so I hope they got the terminology right. Um, we, we were supposed to do a trip to Canada in June so I could learn more, but that's off. Um, so <laughs> they said that they got <clears throat> the government notified all the riding stables that they need to close. Mm-hmm. They're closing all the riding stables in Ontario, and she expects mm-hmm. the rest of the country in the next couple of days. So, well, I think that there's, I have, you know, I do have a, you know, friends who run, you know, riding programs, and there is a question of, you know, how how you disinfect shared, you know, equipment in a riding stable situation, and and 
I do know of some places that have, um, you know, t- at least temporarily closed until they can disinfect everything and kind of come up with protocols on how they're going to handle that. Um, you know, whether that's getting, you know, multiple brush sets put together uh, and, you know, and then disinfecting them at the end of each day, you know, only, only letting, you know, one child use, you know, a set of brushes before they then are disinfected. Before I never thought child. about brushes. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. 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 But this is, but I think this is what we have to understand in the equine world. The, so these are all, you know, vectors for disease transmission all the time. Like we should not be sharing brushes between horses normally. Like these that we don't, we should not be sharing water, but you know, like this, and this is just for horse transmission of horse diseases. You know, and we all, and we remember this. I mean, if you remember, there was an outbreak of EHV one out of out of Utah several years ago that spread nationally, and everybody suddenly was like, "Oh my goodness!" And and we tend to be very good about our biosecurity in the face of those sorts of events. And then the further away we get from them, um, the worse we get <laughs> because they yeah. become kind of complacent. You know, we should not. You know, day to day, we shouldn't be sharing brushes between horses. We shouldn't be sharing water buckets and hoses at shows with you know. These are all things, and now, of course, we're a little bit more. Now it's about transmission of disease to us, person to person. But brushes shouldn't be shared between horses normally, even if the same person is using that brush, um, just from you know a, a horse disease transmission standpoint. Right, and you know, I have a therapeutic horseback riding center, and you know, we separate brushes and grooming equipment. I think a lot of people do, but I had not considered, you know separating from person to person. So that creates a whole nother step of, of sanitation right. and disinfecting mm-hmm. and all of that. And then the other thing that everything you've been talking about, I'm looking at, at the business standpoint and the bottom line of the farriers not showing up and the riding lessons missed and, and all of these oh, people and, and all the money that they're losing. Absolutely. Well, and yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's going to be tough times for a lot of people. Um, yeah. You know, one thing that I think is important that we don't realize is how to disinfect properly. That's and a good point. We are all guilty of not disinfecting properly. So, you know, in this situation, surfaces, high touch contact surfaces, right? So doorknobs, counters, mm-hmm. you know, anything we touch a lot. But what people don't understand is if you actually have to clean the surface first before you apply your disinfectant. So disinfectants are not effective on dirt and organic matter. It's the same when you disinfect a stall at a show. It's no mm-hmm. good going in and just spraying disinfectant. You know, if that stall has, you know, we've all seen those stalls that have manure running down the side sure. of them from the horses there. You know, if you just spray your disinfectant over that, it's not effective. You have to remove that manure. It's the same when you're disinfecting a countertop. If you've got like dirt on that countertop, that disinfectant is not going to be as effective. So you need to wipe the counter down to get it clean and then apply your disinfectant. And the other thing that people don't um, understand about proper disinfecting is each disinfecting agent has a length of time. It needs to stay in contact with the surface it's supposed to be working on in order to be fully effective. And many of so the disinfectants, it's 10 minutes. So we should not oh, be right. Yeah, you should. If you go to the EPA uh, website, which has a list of, um, you know, EPA approved disinfecting agents for that they think are effective against coronavirus, and you look at the contact time, the time that the surface should remain wet, it's ten minutes. 
So I've been doing like the 22nd version of everything, wiping down tabletops and all of that. Right. And, and oh my goodness, this is really great info. Now, if you use, but, you Jack, said- but if you use Jack Daniels, is it quicker? <laughs> I'm sure it is. Just, just don't lick it off the surface when you're done. <laughs> you just need to apply more, more, more often, Glenn. Kind of makes like a sticky mess, though. That's the problem with it's, that. It's a little bit. Yeah. It's a little. Yeah, using Jack Daniels would be a little bit like you know when you go pick your own strawberries, right? It's like you know pick yeah. a strawberry, eat a strawberry, yeah, like, you know wipe right. the surface, drink, drink, <laughs> drink a bit. Wipe the, yeah. So. Uh, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, so well, I didn't I'm, I didn't realize that until I didn't realize that until yesterday that it was that long. Okay, so yeah. I'm at the CDC website now that you got that, and this is what they say for disinfection: diluted household bleach solutions, alcohol solutions with at least seventy percent alcohol, are the ones they recommend. Prepare a bleach solution by mixing five tablespoons of bleach per gallon of water, or four tablespoons of bleach per quart of water. Um, or or it doesn't say anything about Jack Daniels on this site. Uh, but 70%. <laughs> the other thing, you know, hand sanitizers, if you look, Jennifer taught me this yesterday. She started reading up on it. A lot of them aren't 70% alcohol, so they're not effective. No. Yeah. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. That's good to know as well. Yeah. Yeah. You really have to look at the at the product that you're using and look at the uh, ingredients because, you know, it's not really what we think sometimes. Right. Absolutely. So it sounds like we just need to drink the Jack Daniels. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> if nothing else, you'll forget about everything else. So exactly. I got let's go to to and we've talked a lot about this. I had Dr. Jimenez on who you might know from Technical Large Animal. Um, and, you know, we we talked about this and went over what you should have. And we've been putting out there, you know, getting ready and making sure you have hay. And mm-hmm. because if we are quarantined nationwide, which I fully suspect we will be, um, do you have three weeks worth? Do you have a month's worth of stuff? Right. And now you're a nutritionist. Obviously, yep. you know, a lot of the parts of the country in Florida, we're starting to get our grass, thank God. And probably where Lisa is too, but other parts of the country are not. So you can't count on yep. that. But, you know, what horses need to survive? They obviously don't need grain to survive. They need hay and water and some kind of forage, right? Yeah. Yes, and don't forget salt. And salt, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, Yeah. so absolutely. I mean, your number one concern um, is really making sure you have enough forage. Um, you know, in, in these sorts of situations, um, you know, grain is going to, you know, is gonna, going to become a nicety. But that said, you know, there are some older horses, horses with poor teeth or whatever, you know, that for whatever reason don't, you know, are fed more complete, uh, you know, senior feed type mm-hmm. feeds. And so, you know, those people who have those sorts of horses are going to have to stock up on whatever, whatever it is, is that is the foundation of your horse's diet that is providing them with their roughage and fiber source. You need to make sure you've got, you know, adequate quantities of that, um, you know, beyond that, um, you know, that's the sort of absolute essential. And, and and keep in mind that if you're somebody whose horse is in, you know, say moderate work and you're normally feeding six, seven, eight pounds of a performance feed per day and that performance feed suddenly, you know, you're, you can't leave your home to go buy more or, you know, what have you, you're going to have to feed more hay than you do normally to make up for the, for the loss of that performance, the calories from that performance feed if you can't get it. And so you need to potentially think about, you know, more hay than you maybe would normally. And then you're thinking about, okay, we're at the end of the the hay season. We won't get first cutting in, at least here, uh, for at least another two months and some Mm -hmm. other places farther north, maybe three months. And, you know, are people going to be hoarding hay like they're hoarding toilet paper? 
Who knows? Judging by the amount <laughs> of trucks I, we saw yesterday loaded with hay, I would say yes. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah I know. And where do you, yeah. Yeah. And where do you so keep where it? Do I mean, you store you could, the hay. Yeah. Where do you store right. you keep it? Yeah. You know, Unless you, you have a big hay barn. Right. You could certainly switch to, you know, this is where, you know, there are lots, there's lots of resources online about things you can do to um, kind of hay extenders, you know, things that you can do mm-hmm. to make your hay last longer. That um, so maybe using hay pellets as some of your or cubes as some of your horses hay they take up less storage space um, you know they're easier to keep at home in your garage you know your husband mm-hmm. might not care quite so much if you come home with bags <laughs> of pellets versus bales of hay to put you know next to his <laughs> fancy car in the garage um, <laughs> so yeah and um, that but then if the feed stores close you know if the feed stores right? close I mean okay. you know we don't know what what this afternoon is going to bring much less next week. So, you know, and, and without inciting panic amongst everybody, you know, what is normal or what is safe for us to keep as far as should we keep a, a week's supply or a month's supply of food? What What's your thoughts on that? You know, my, and again, it's, you know, we're in a who knows situation. So it really is just, I mean, what did San Francisco just went down to lockdown for what, six weeks? Yeah, I think yeah. I would, you know, I'd be looking at a month. I think is fair. Um, I, th- I mean, I, that's, that's, I'm per- I'm personally looking at, at um, you yeah, know, we sure tried to we tried to do a yeah. month too. Uh, now, one of the things we don't know is yet, uh, and I'm assuming it's going to be the case. But I've been I'm on a couple of the retail store uh, feed store web, uh, Facebook pages too, mm-hmm. and one of the things they're asking is if we go into a San Francisco type lockdown. Um, can our feed stores, feed suppliers allowed to stay open? And are, yeah. you know, are you allowed to go? We just had uh, Rachel just posted on uh, on here. She's one of our listeners. And she said, if we go toward the San Francisco type thing, she has horses in two locations. Are, is she allowed to even go? You know, France right. right now is requiring you to have a permission slip to leave the house, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Uh, and they're stopping people. They put 100,000 police on the streets. And, you know, it, does that remind you of a time in France in the past? Yeah. Uh, show your papers. Um, so, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't, those are all answered, unanswered questions at right. this point. Yeah. And I think that that really raises the point that, um, you know, if you don't keep your horse at home, or even perhaps even if you do, you need to have feeding instructions written out and placed mm-hmm. in your barn that, you know, anybody could follow. Um, and so, you know, I'm a, my background is, is, is in pony club and, and pony clubbers are known when they go to their uh, shows having called rallies, having to have feed, feed charts. And those feed charts are so that if something happens to you, heaven forbid, you know, you end up having to leave the property, somebody else who's there, somebody else who's on your team can feed your horse. Um, and so they really need to be sort of idiot proof. Um, right. You know, and if it says, you know, one scoop of this, then you need to, you know, let's say it's one scoop of, you know, feed X, Y, Z, the scoop that gets used for X, Y, Z, you need to, you know, write on that scoop that this is the scoop for feed X, Y, Z, because oftentimes people have multiple scoops or you go in a feed yeah. room and different scoops and you, you know, I mean, obviously, ideally, it would be you would put it in pounds. But, you know, even if you can just on your scoop, put in the amount of feed that you normally feed, draw your line with the name of the mm-hmm. feed and the amount. And so that it's really easy for people. And it's left in a very clear space or your feed. If you're using trash cans, 
your trash cans are labeled with, you know, this is Bobby's, you know, senior feed or this is, you know, so-and-so's hay pellets or, you know, whatever. So it's really easy for somebody who's never fed your horse before to walk in and say, oh, this is exactly, this is what I have to feed him and here it is. And here's right, the right, right. scoop. And, you know, I think if I were a boarder too, I would be contacting the owner or the manager of the boarding barn and saying, okay, how much feed do you have on hand Um, in case we go down to lockdown? Is my horse going to be able to be fed? Because as you said, sometimes you don't really have control over who feeds your horse and when and and what, you know, depending on your boarding situation. Right. And some people, you know, you can leave, you know, baggies and things with feed in certain areas of the country. I mean, we're not super hot yet, but, you know, leaving several weeks worth of feed in, in mm-hmm. plastic, plastic baggies is not smart because it'll sweat and potentially mold. So, you know, that's not. Got you know, it. You Here got, in Florida, are, that'll happen overnight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so you really are looking at, you know, having somebody mixing that feed for you, you know, you might leave a couple of days in baggies, but, you know, somebody needs to be willing to actually, you know, scoop that out for you. And one would hope that barn owners that typically say, no, we don't feed supplements or, you know, we'll only feed it if it's in a baggie, will understand these situations and, you know, relax their requirements a little bit because, you know, they're maybe going to have to feed supplements and feeds that they currently right. don't. Got it. Well, yeah. Boy, this is a... There's a a lot to think about. Yeah, you know... and everybody in the world's thinking about this too. You know, it's not just yeah, us; yeah. it's 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 everybody that has horses all over the world, which is what makes this such a different thing than any other thing we've ever right. dealt with before. Right, right. I mean, I think yeah, and I think it's also worth going back to your vet. You know, quest question. It's also worth making sure that you have basic veterinary supplies on hand. Right? Do you have access to butte? Do you have access to banamine? Do you have access to you know, those somewhat basic medications that um, over the phone your vet might instruct you to give, you know, mm-hmm. in an early case of colic so they don't have to come out right away. You know, because if you've got an early stage colic, um, you know, your vet might tell you to give, you know, X grams or millig- you know, whatever of a certain medication that you have on hand and hopefully then it resolves itself. Um, and if it doesn't, then they'll come out. But if you don't have that medication on hand, they're going to have to make an extra trip to deliver that to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so having yeah. those things, you know, having those basic, you know, just making sure that you've got your basic equine first aid kit put together, um, I think is a good idea too. Things where you might just normally well, go, well, I'll just pick up the phone and phone the vet. It's or, like, yeah, no, or just have- run out to the tractor supply, right? I mean, yeah. Which, well, but right. then it goes back to what our supplies coming in because, you know, Amazon just decided they're only going to be shipping essential supplies and not be shipping other things. And so, you know, if, and I talked to the lady at our local Dollar General and she said they have a truck coming in today and maybe there might be some toilet paper on it, but their warehouse is getting low and they're Lisa not. Lisa has to go. She'll be, she'll be back in 20 minutes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, there are priorities. Yeah, yeah no, no so it, it is. It's, you know, it is, uh, you know, and I think it's, I mean, and again, these, the, you know, having a basic, having a basic first aid kit is something that we should all have in our, you know, tack rooms all the time, but we're perhaps all a little guilty of letting those supplies dwindle. You know, I, I think yeah. too, I, you know, 
who knows? I mean, we're all, we could go into speculating all day. And the problem with speculating right now is in an hour, it's changed. Uh, so, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, where do you live, yeah. by the way? You said earlier that you were in an area not too affected yet. I, by the way, I think the whole country is affected. We just don't know it yet. Um, but Oh, well, that's, yeah. that, that yeah. is very true. No, yeah. we, yeah. we um, I'm in Arizona. So I think as yeah. of yesterday, we had 13 cases. So. Uh, probably because uh, you had 13 test kits available. And that's, that's, what, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they were able to test for. Yeah. Yeah. No, our uh, our schools have been closed. The governor's closed our schools, and uh, as it stands right now, um, my daughter's not slated to go back to in person class until the first of the fourth of May. Wow! Well, and you saw that was it Kansas that closed for the year and just said to hell with it. You know, we're just right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to see a lot yeah. more of that too because they're they're not going to be able to figure out how to do it right. So, and I don't know what happens then to your kids. Do they have to stay back and do the year over again? You know what happens? I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I believe what I what I what I heard from somebody in New Mexico was that at least I believe, um, and this is secondhand information, so you can take it with a grain of salt. Um, but that in the case of New Mexico, they've been told that they won't have to make it up. Oh well, yeah. I I, I don't know what you, you know. It, this is because it's never. There's no rules here. We're <laughs> there's right. yeah. And, and that, well, we didn't write these rules now, yet. <laughs> so. Twenty years from now, these kids are going to have a gap in their education, and they're not going to know how to to use parentheses or some some critical thing, and it's going to affect no. Their whole but life. you know what? You know what? They maybe will know how to sew on a button. They maybe kn- will know how to. Boil That's a good point, Doc. Be, you know, yes, that is yes. a good point, Doc. That's a good point. A very you know, good because point. I can, I can tell you last night, my daughter cooked dinner. They may know how to bake a bread, you know, by the mm-hmm. time yes. this is all done, yeah. which I did yeah, yesterday, by the way. I baked bread yesterday. I'm impressed. Yeah. Oh, look at yeah. me. Wow. So, you know, it's a time for us to, uh, you know, reconnect with some life skills that we've all, uh, we've all got rid of. And I, you know, I think that, you know, like all these things, there's always winners and losers, right, out of all these sorts of situations. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see the innovation that comes out of this. I mean, we've all been using technology for a long time, but, um, you know, the likes of, you know, FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, where you can video chat and meet with people. I mean, we're not as isolated as we would have been if this had happened 20 years ago. You know, it's interesting. Um, One of the things that I saw come out of it yesterday, I listened to all the tech podcasts, too, is, you know, one, let's start making stuff in this country again. So we're not relying on others like our medicine, you know. Um, And number two is everybody that bought those 3D printers, apparently there are uh, people who have a companies that bought 3D printers that are now making medical supplies uh, that they can't get. They're making them with the 3D printers. So everybody, you know, all these people that bought them and had nothing to do but make whistles with them. Look at that. Mm-hmm. We might, they may become handy. I know. <laughs> so, right. I know. No, they're I think make, they're a, making, yeah. they're making houses and cars with 3D printers now. Well, and they amazing. could easily convert those to other stuff that we need, you know, that's yes. necessities, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Right. And I think they well, will. And I've seen some lovely, you know, in my own community, some lovely sort of outpourings of people willing to help, willing to go, you know, grocery mm-hmm. shopping for the elderly. Somebody just yesterday said, hey, if you're, you know, social isolating at home alone and you need, you know, a virtual coffee date, let me know. We can hook up by Skype. Um, you know, there are some really, yeah. um, you know, and when I look at the bigger picture of where the world has been going recently, um, you know, I, I made a post on my Facebook the other day. I said, you know, ecosystems have an interesting way of bringing themselves back into balance. And, That's a good point, uh, too. Yeah. 
you know, we've, that's we've, true. We've become very, um, we've become very isolated from each other um, without really knowing it. I mean, this is real isolation. And yet, ironically, yeah. we're, we're all coming together. We've all been isolated by our technology um, over the past years. And, and now politics. we're coming together <laughs> and politics. Yeah. yeah. And now yeah. We, can all, we can all agree on something, the polarization. You know, we're all sort of agreeing that we have to kind of pull together on this. And, um, you know, we've all been told we need to cut down on our carbon emissions. Well, there's nothing like, you know, not being able to get on a plane anymore to cut down uh, airline emissions and you can't commute to work anymore. So your vehicle emissions have gone down. Um you know, it's going to be very interesting. I'm curious to see how many companies who, you know, right now are telling their employees to work from home will realize, gosh, you know what? We continue to function quite well with our employees working at home. Yeah. They could yeah. save a ton of money yeah. in office and rent. You know, and, it, you know. hey, hey, I hate yeah. to cut, break this up because it is fascinating, but we have another guest to get to. So, oh. Claire, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me at summit-equine.com. And you've done a bunch of tips and things with us in the past. And, um, yeah. you know, if you look up Summit Equine on our horses or Horse Radio Network website, you'll find all of her past uh, appearances on the show. And uh, I, stay in touch with us, and we might be having you back as things change here. <laughs> I would love to come back. All right, thanks. It's always great to talk. Dr. All Tim. right. All right, bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, we're going to switch gears now, and we're going to head to one of our terrific sponsors, and that is Stateline Tech, who is being innovative Yay. in this time to try and do some things that are thinking outside the box to keep everybody busy and, and helpful. And we're going to see a lot more of that. I'm starting to see musicians yeah. holding online concerts and yep. you know, just different stuff that I think is really cool. Um, you know, it's really an opportunity right now. I mean, if people take take the opportunity, a lot of things could could come out of this that are really positive. Sissy, are you there? I am, Glenn. How are you? Good. I have Lisa on here with me, too. Sissy is with State Hi. Line Tech, and they're our terrific sponsor on Wednesdays. And I asked Sissy to join us today, one, to let us know what the heck's going on at State Line and how is that? I mean, it must be interesting trying to fill orders and do all of that stuff. But then I also wanted to talk to you about something that you have coming up that's gotten a lot of play on the Internet yesterday. So uh, we'll talk about that, too. But how are things at State Line? What's going on? Well, um <laughs> Like everyone else, we're finding that these are very interesting times, to put it mildly. But um, we are 100% open, and things are, we we really are business as usual um, and, until we know otherwise. We have, um, the, we've had a, a very uh, strong group of technology people in our company, and Stateline um, has always been able to allow the majority of its workforce to work from home. So that's what's allowed us to sort of stay um, sort of in step with our everyday work, work, work life, workload, et cetera. So really the only people that, are, that have to come in are the ones that are at the warehouse then? Right. We have even moved. Um, uh, we started doing some testing with having some of our customer service agents work from home. That's been going on a while ago, and it's been working out really great. Um, and yeah, that's we have most of our staff now in customer service working remotely. 
And it just a warehouse group. Um, they're in um, another area. They are not in the, um, the same state we are, um, but they're they're operating. In fact, they're doing everything they can to try to make sure they can keep up with the volume we're seeing. Um, but you know, did you see? We're like everyone. Well, let's talk worried. about volume. That brings up a question: Are you seeing a change in the kind of orders? Are you seeing more medicinals and stuff like that? People, their first aid kits and boots, and you know that kind of stuff. Well, you know what's interesting? I think we're because we're at the change of season right now. Um, we always this time of year see a, a change in um, merchandise category, so to speak. So obviously. Uh, uh, turnout blankets and stable rugs, all of those have, have, are definitely on the downturn. We're, we're seeing fly now start to pick up um, actually sooner than it had last year. And I think that's due to the warmer winter we all, most of us have seen. And yes, pest control and supplements, these are all categories that at this time of year um, always, you know, have a little bit of an uptake. And that's what we are seeing. Let me bring that up, too, and Lisa can speak to this, too. You you talked about the warmer weather, and in a way, uh, that's a blessing this year because grass will be growing sooner in a lot of places, and, we're, you know, we're going to need that for feed yeah. here. So, in a way, that's a blessing yeah. in a lot of parts of the United States. It, yeah, uh, absolutely. Very much so. Yeah. Yep. We yeah, have, and I was going to ask... Oh, God, I'm sorry, Lisa. Oh, no, go ahead. I, I was just going to ask, too, uh, you know, as far as your warehouse and your warehouse workers... Um, you know, we had had a shipment come in of, of some supplies and one of our board members said, well, I mean, ha- has this stuff been disinfected or what what protocols did the warehouse take when they shipped it to us? And I'm going, well, I don't know. And so, um, you know, there was a thread on Facebook about that. And so, you know, in your warehouse and your warehouse shipping, are, have you made any changes as far as that or, um, you know, with well, your employees? Have, they have brought in additional staff. Um, and it's in the, the areas in, in the middle of the country and they have brought in additional staff and yes, they are taking extra meshes. Um, our, our warehouse should be, it, it's nice to say it's surprisingly a very clean environment. Um, some, some warehouses that you see are, you know, a lot of stuff t- in a tight space Oz is, um, and the reason why we chose this warehouse location is because it has open space in the area to grow and it's not congested and it's able to keep our workers working, feeling safe. And yes, they are disinfecting and um, constantly washing their hands or put uh, extra sessions in for them to take breaks so they can do that. I did notice that awesome. uh, the report as of this morning, and this is changing every day too, is they're saying that uh, the virus could live on cardboard for no more than a day. Um, so they're saying if you get shipments in, just leave them sit out in the sun for a day and you should be fine. That's that's the latest. That's what I read this morning. So, um, oh. So, so that's, that's interesting. We haven't heard that yet. Yeah, Was that's, that from UPS? Yeah, no, that came from the CDC. Their, their, their latest studies are... Their, a bunch of studies came out today on, on how long it lives. A bunch of the colleges are doing studies on it now. And that's what they're saying about cardboard. But that could change in the next 10 minutes. So Yeah, <laughs> interesting, because we had been told some surfaces up to nine days, like yeah. metal and other, other more slicker surfaces. So, yeah, um, and that's what they're saying that's, about that's cardboard. I don't know. I, you know, if you don't need it right away, leave it out in the sun for a day if it's not going to be perishable, right? So, who, you know. Well, that you, means we would have to have sun. We haven't had sun here for... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> so, Sissy, you guys yesterday posted something really cool, and I think it's a terrific idea, and it's gotten a lot of play. Um, 
is uh, it's called the Seclusion Showdown. And I love the fact that you're thinking outside the box. One, just to help people, right, who aren't getting their lessons. I mean, Canada's pretty much shutting their programs down. Um, and we're going to see that here. So they're not getting the lessons, but if they have the house at home or they can get to their barn, they're still riding, you're going to do a Seclusion Showdown. Tell us what that is. Well, um, we know, as you said, we know shows are canceling and um, everybody needs to be very careful. So what we're trying to do is really do you know, a series of online horse shows. And they will uh, include uh, both disciplines of English and Western. They will be in hand and under saddle. Um, it will be for all breeds. There's no entry fees. Um, where um, um, marketing team has gotten real judges to participate and a lot of our vendors are going to be supporting this with um, prizes. So it'll be a joint combination of us and uh, our vendors who are obviously very committed to to the equine industry. And we're all wanting to make sure we all can take a breath right now and have some fun. Well, good. So how I does think this all work? How does this work? Well, um, we are going to be announcing how uh, it's still under wraps, so I can't, can't okay. say a whole lot. Oh, okay. um, we are going to be um, announcing uh, what divisions we're going to be doing, and we're going to ask people to be sending in pictures or videos that then will be looked at um, by um, uh, judges in those disciplines and coming up with um, their picks. I, you know, this is fun. I know I there's been this. there's been places that have done it online before, but you have to pay. And I love that you guys are yeah. just throwing this out there for for the benefit of your your fans uh, and your this. customers. And also, I know your you especially as a company, your technology people are probably some of the best out there. So um, I'm tr- I trust that this will be very well designed and a lot of fu- and very easy to use too. Well, yeah. they are, our social media team is really um, on top of it, and we've just added um, a, new, a new person who, again, has an outstanding equestrian background. Um, and uh, yes, I do feel that we will kind of be in the lead on this because I am, I, I always said, I've, I've been at Stateline Tech now a little over 10 years, and our um, our technology has really put us in the in the forefront in a lot of different ways. Um, also working with 4-H, also we're, we're running a contest on 4-H, send us pictures of your, you know, your favorite child in a 4-H activity. So, yes, they do a great job of both the combination of technology and social media to do unique things. We also want to have fun, too, and that's probably the most important thing right now. We all need a little bit of uh, – we need some smiles back in our lives, you know. I think Boy, we sure do. For me, uh, I, I think it's just equine therapy walking down to, to, to the barn with, the, to, you know, with the, <laughs> the dogs and the horses and just kind of yep. saying, okay – this hasn't changed. Nothing here has yes. changed. The, the horses need to be fed on time. They need their supplements. You know, there may be extra TLC because now, you know, I, one night I just spent time, uh, you know, with my horse and just on her teal, you know, but it's kind of like the calm we all right need, need right now. Yeah. Well, I know that uh, yeah. you guys will keep us informed and we'll keep the listeners informed of what's going on uh, with this. And, and I want to give a shout out to one of your people, Sharon, who I know for a long time, who I was talking to yesterday on Facebook. So um, we'll definitely keep in touch. And, and uh, you know, we 
our sponsors are important to us and we, you know, we're reaching tens of thousands of people here. So when you have something new, you just let me know right away and we'll announce it. Okay. So uh, we, we, we certainly will. And we appreciate, you know, you taking the time to talk to us and we wish everybody um, in your viewing area and all of our equine community, just uh, safety and take time to enjoy your horse right now and hug them. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Sissy. And you do that with yours. If you have a carrot <laughs> left, give her one, give them one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We're good here. <laughs> All right. Good. All right. Thanks, Bye-bye. Sissy. StatelineTech.com. <laughs> All right. What, uh, uh, you know, one of the other things uh, that I wanted to do, uh, you know, I've been seeing a lot about uh, CBD oil. And, yes. we, you know, we have a sponsor right now that's Greenflower Botanicals. And they, and I thought this one would be appropriate. Wendy had a chance to talk to them about how CBD oil, and you may have it already in the house, or you may be able to, mm-hmm. I, I doubt there's been a rush on it like toilet paper, so you can probably get it from Greenflower. Um, <laughs> but she talked to them about how CBD oil helps anxiety. And I can't think of anything yes. better to talk about right now. So, oh, absolutely. Let's hear about absolutely. that. I tell you, I yeah, go ahead. My my mom gets real anxious and always has, and um, I got her some, and uh, it just changed her life. It works. I huh? mean, it's so positive. Absolutely, it does. Oh, yes. good. All right, well, let's hear about yeah. that from Greenflower, and then Lisa and I will be back to wrap up the show. And now our own Dr. Wendy Ying speaks with Roger from Greenflower Botanicals in a series we call CBD Oil 101. Well, in our continuing series about CBD oil, we're going to talk about how we can use CBD oil to treat anxiety. That's such a huge problem in people and in our pets and horses. So, Roger, how can we, how can we use CBD oil to help us deal with our everyday stresses in life? First of all, that's probably the number one uh, reason uh, at least we see people purchasing CBD oil from um, our website and different outlets is for relief of anxiety, whether it's a person or it's um, separation anxiety or storm anxiety in pets or arena anxiety in horses. And just the way CBD or virus works anxiety. with the central nervous system and in the brain, it just really is a very effective uh, angiolytic uh, in the way that it works uh, with just literally no side effects. And, and again, the other good thing about CBD, not only does it have this wonderful, really calming, stabilizing effect, but unlike some people know CBD and marijuana are kind of tied in together, um, but unlike that, there's absolutely no intoxicating effect. There's no sedative effect. So it's not making you groggy or sleepy. So you're fully alert. Uh, you're just really more balanced and just a sense of uh, control and so forth and so on. So, again, it's a, it's a wonderful product. Can't recommend it uh, highly enough when it comes to anxiety-related issues. Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to treat anxiety um, and behavior issues, especially in our animals, without using something that sedates them. So this is such a great alternative so that they can keep their wits about them and still uh, reach their top athletic performance and keep their brilliance, but can be more relaxed and be the horse they are at home when you're at the shows. <laughs> they can be like the horse you know and you know they could be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because um, yeah, you know, it helps Thank them learn. Go ahead. That's the other thing. It calms them down, which then helps them learn and, um, and perform. 
Yeah. And when you're nervous, everybody knows you forget a lot of things, you know, like your memory doesn't work and you, you make some mistakes. So this is a great way to relax your, yourself if you get show nerves or your animals and they can be at their peak performance. So Roger, where can people find out more about, uh, Greenflower Botanical products? Sure. Just go over to greenflowerbotanicals.com. You'll see all of our products there and also a lot of really great information to help you learn more about it and how to choose products and how to dose and everything like that. And as well, we have a special coupon for HRN listeners. If you use coupon code HRN, you'll save 20% off your first order with us. If you show your horses, please check with your federation on the legal use of CBD oil. And keep in mind, they have CBD oil for people, for pets, for your horses. They have all three, uh, and you can use that coupon code to get 20% off. I uh, Speaking of pets, the, this morning's post that I did uh, for the coronavirus update on Horses in the Morning Facebook page is about some resources about pets uh, from various uh, organizations that talks about, you know, where pets fit into this. Will they get it? You know, should they be quarantined away from the person in the house who's sick? You know, all of that stuff. So that's answered awesome. on some links. Thanks to Dr. Wendy Ying uh, of uh, Five Elements for Animals for uh, providing those links for us today. There's another thing going around real quick, and then auditors hold on till after the show. Lisa and I are going to chat for a little bit for your benefit. So we will have an auditor section, <coughs> excuse me, after the show. Yeah. Uh, but um, one of the things that's going around is do not use ibuprofen uh, for this, that apparently uh, it's bad to use with COVID-19. And that was a rumor that was floating around yesterday, and a, and a couple of place, places were saying it's just a rumor. I texted this morning our neighbors who are both our next door neighbor right next door they're a young couple that are both doctors pharmacists and th- she said this uh i said how's it going at the pharmacy because we haven't seen them at home <laughs> um <laughs> and she said insane is an understatement uh i have people oh my goodness. Uh, you know it's just you can imagine <laughs> um yeah and she said yes ibuprofen and they said family are risky to take right now because you want your immune system to respond to the virus if you come in contact with it aka not dampen the inflammatory response and apparently oh. some they got a memo this morning the pharmacist did claiming that same thing so uh, i take it as a little more legit now that we're hearing from pharmacists that they're being told that so yeah keep that yeah. in mind um well, I saw the rumor uh, on that, and and it was coming out of Italy or someplace. Yeah, um, yeah, and I don't it, because I guess it dampens it, and you know, and it's just you, not, you want your immune system working. Um, you don't, yes, you don't want yes, it on hold. <laughs> so no, I mean that's <laughs> hard right when you're in pain and it hurts, and you're coughing, and your lungs feel like they're about yeah. to blow up. That's hard, you know. It's just yeah, I get that, and you know, having been that sick before, so I, I get it. Right. Um, yeah. Well, we're going to wrap up the main part of the show today. We have fox hunting for you tomorrow, and then Jamie will be back on Friday. Get your really bad ads into really bad ads, or Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com, and she will uh, make sure that, you know, as many as we can, we'll get on Friday's show. You have plenty of time to look for them now, so go ahead and take a look and uh, see what kind of crazy horse things are for sale. And we have $500 in prizes that we're giving away this month, so and thanks to horselovers.com for that. Thank you, Lisa. Where can people find you? And and I hope you, the best for you. Are you, have you canceled all of your your therapy things right now? What's going on? 
You know, we uh, at Colby's Army were scheduled to start April 4th uh, for our spring session, but that's kind of um, up in the air right now. We're going to make a decision next week. Um, I'm thinking we are going to push that back. You know, everything here in Tennessee is in everywhere else is closed. So, um, yeah, so who knows? Um, I'm head to uh, Minnesota on Friday. I'll be up there for a couple of weeks and, um, um, you know, uh, working with uh, Kat Enright, uh, finishing up her fifth uh, book, the, the Rain Equation. And we've got some auditors and Jamie and Zeus as part of that story. And so that's going to be exciting. And um, people can just catch up with me at lisawysaki.com. Very good. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. You can find all of the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com or download our app. We've had like 500 people download it in the last week. So wow, that's amazing. <laughs> we're getting a, a banner put at the top of the app that'll be for uh, coronavirus coverage. And so you just click on that and it'll take you right to the page where we're doing all of our coverage. So that'll make it easier to find our coverage right through the app as well. So uh, that's where we're at right now. Uh, check out my post this morning. It was about animals and then my, my meanderings as well. And then tonight we're going to have, I just got confirmation for the Facebook Live. It's going to be at 5 o'clock. And it's going to be with a friend of mine, Katie Kermitzos, who does one of the most popular meditation podcasts out there. And she's putting out oh, a cool. series of meditations for uh, corona stress. Um, so, cool. and I'm not good at slowing down and letting my brain, brain go for a break. <laughs> so hopefully she'll have some quick tips for us. Uh, and we're going to talk to her about how important that is at a time like this now. Um, so we're trying to do some different things with the Facebook lives. Uh, and we're also trying to get somebody on from the USEF to talk about how they're dealing with it and where we go from here. So we'll let you know about that. Uh, that'll probably be this week as well. So Fabulous. here we go. We continue soldiering on. Thank you, Lisa. Yes. Uh, thank you, Glenn. All right. We'll see you, everybody. Uh, auditors, hold on.